Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be looking mainly at verses 15 and 16, but I'm going to read verses 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 in the New Testament, after Galatians, before Philippians. <coughs> Follow along in your Bible as I read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what's the big deal about going to church? I can read my Bible on my own. I can pray on my own. I can be kind to others and serve others all by myself. I can even watch preachers on TV or download sermons from the Internet. I can turn up K-Love and sing praises to God all by myself. Do I really need to go to church? Why should I get involved with an organization or with other people who are sometimes mean and rude and hypocritical? Right? Why should I invest my time and money and energy into something like that? Those are thoughts of many throughout our community. Those are the thoughts of many who are even actually members of our church, but who don't come to church on a regular basis. I spoke to a leader of another church in Gibsonville who had done some surveys uh, throughout the community, asking the question, do you go to church on a regular basis? I don't know all the scientific nature of the study, but they came back with the result of about 85% of people in Gibsonville do not go to church on a regular basis. They just don't go. It's just not something that takes place in our society like it once did. Obviously, there's a lot of confusion about uh, church, about what it means, about Uh, regular attendance at church. What is the purpose? Well, there are a bunch of reasons why Christians should go to church. We're commanded to in the Scripture, right? In Hebrews, don't neglect the gathering together with other believers. We need to hear the Word preached in person, not just through uh, a television screen or through the Internet. We need to pray with other believers. We need to be encouraged and challenged by one another. And our text this morning gives us some answers as well. Why it is important for us as as believers to come together as a church. The Bible pictures the church as a body. And Christ is the head. Now you tell me what use is a part of the body if it is not connected to the rest of the body. Nothing. It will eventually shrivel up and die. It will be worthless. Now the church is a body. 
And God's intention for His body is that would grow. Primarily that it would grow spiritually. That we, individually, and as a body, would grow spiritually. If you're not connected to the body, you're not growing spiritually. You'll be hindered in your growth. You're not connected to the head, to its source, to the church. So this church, and other churches within Gibsonville, are visible representations of Christ's body. Visible representations of who is a Christian and who is not. These gatherings show who is connected with the body, who is connected to Christ the head. And if we are Christians, we must grow. If something's not growing, it's probably dying, withering away, decaying. If you're not connected to a church, then that's exactly what's happening to you spiritually. You're withering spiritually. In our text this morning, Paul outlines the growth of the body, the growth of the church. How does it grow? What's the source of its growth? What's the condition for growth? And as we look at these verses, I hope you'll see just how important it is for our spiritual growth that we are united together in love, that we come together as a church, that we are united to Christ, and that we are working hard to use our spiritual gifts for the building up of the church. This is the third sermon in our series, third and final sermon on spiritual gifts, on how we should go about using our spiritual gifts. And here it's connected to our growth. First look at the means of growth. The means of growth. This answers the how question. How does growth happen in the church? Look at verse 15. Paul says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Now the word rather, the beginning there, tips us off he's been talking about something else. We read, we read some of those verses a minute ago. Not being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Not being confused about what we believe. And then comes this word, rather. Instead, instead of being confused, tossed to and fro, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Christ. We are becoming more like Him, knowing Him more, living in a a way that reflects His life. And how does this growth happen? How do we grow up into Him in every way? Paul says, by speaking the truth in love. By speaking the truth in love to one another. This is a way God has chosen to grow us His body. We must speak the truth in love to one another. Now think about this. Sometimes we might not be active in the church because we think there's no ministry, there's no program for me to be involved with, no program that fits my spiritual gift. But this isn't the right way to look at service in the church. Do you need a program to speak the truth in love to someone? No, you just do it. You, you start by investing in one another, in others. You start by befriending others in the church, showing interest in their lives in what interests them, and getting to know them better. You start inviting them over to to supper at your house. You start joining with other believers after the church service on Sunday afternoons, having a meal together, and speaking the truth in love to one another. And having them speak the truth to you in love as well. This is how the body grows. The image 
that was put in my mind by a pastor and author, Jonathan Lehman, was of God's Word reverberating throughout the church, like the consistent beat of a bass guitar, just thumping, 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 spreading its sound everywhere. We are to be reverberating the Word of God into each other's lives. Every week, we are to be reverberating the Word of God throughout our homes, throughout our communities, throughout our workplaces. Sometimes we pastors, maybe you hear it too, we hear hear other reverberations, other words reverberating through the church halls. Maybe words of gossip, words of complaint, words of cutting down rather than building up. But nothing would please me more, and I'm sure you too, than to than to walk up the aisle after church and hear the word of Christ reverberating around. To walk up the, the aisle as people were just uh, dispersing and conversing together, filled conversations filled with the truth of God's word and the truth of who Christ is for us. Encouraging words, words that build up. Let this fill our conversations. Speaking the truth in love to one another, that we might grow up into Him, into Christ, who is the head. Strikes me, we may not do this too well, just by nature. right? Some of us pride ourselves on being able to speak the truth, no matter, how, no matter what it means to the other person, no matter how it makes the other person feel, no matter what our motives are. Right? You've probably heard someone who say, I don't care, they're speaking what's true. That's all that matters, isn't it? But no, speaking the truth in love, with pure motives, with a desire, a genuine love for the other person that they would be built up and strengthened. Do you remember what it would be like to speak truth without love from 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter? He says, if he speaks in the tongues of men and angels but has not love, I am nothing but a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. Speaking the truth without love is annoying. It doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't fulfill its purpose. Speaking the truth with a cold heart is ugly in God's sight. Yet we must speak truth. But we must do it with a heart of love for one another. We must do it out of a genuine desire for the other person to grow spiritually, to be built up in Christ. If we must speak truth to someone about their sin, then let's do it as Christ has done to us, full of compassion and love for us. Not in order to condemn us, but in order that we might be saved. That we might be reconciled to Christ and His church. This is how we will grow individually and as a church, as we speak the truth to one another in love. This is the means of our growth together, but well, what's the source of this growth? How, where does it come from? And here we see the answer in verses 15 and 16. We are to grow up into every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now I know that's a complicated sentence. Just reading that entire thing is kind of confusing. So let's break it down just a little bit. It's like Paul gets sidetracked a little bit about how growth is taking place. But I think we could give the main sense of the verse like this. We are to grow up into Christ who makes the whole body grow. 
He is the source. The New English translation makes it clearer for us. It says, From Christ the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body grows in love. Christ is the root and trunk of the tree which nourishes and grows the branches and the fruit. Christ is the, the upstream source that feeds into the rivers and the creeks. Christ is the source of our life as a church. He's the source of our spiritual growth. He's the source of our numerical growth. It's only as we look to Christ and are nourished by Him and His Word that we will begin to grow as Christians and as a church. It happens as we gather together with believers and pray. It happens as we gather together each week to hear the Word of Christ proclaimed. As we read the Bible, as we read of Christ who died for us, we are nourished, saved, and we grow. Christ is the source of nourishment for the body. He's the effective cause of the growth. Think about how Christ has nourished His church. He gave Himself for her when He died on the cross. He cleansed us by His sacrifice. When He died on the cross, it's as if He took all of the dirtiness of our sin. All the sins of pride and anger, of lust, of division. He took all of our dirtiness upon Himself. He sacrificed Himself that we would be washed clean and everyone who turns away from their sins and trusts in Him will be forgiven. Christ nourishes, grows, cleanses His church. He has forgiven us. I heard a news story the other day about some teenagers who had vandalized a Jewish synagogue. They did terrible damage to the place, to all the facilities. And the radio had an interview with the Jewish rabbi, the leader of the synagogue. He said that forgiveness was available. They could be forgiven. But he did say forgiveness wasn't free. I was, I was surprised. I shouldn't have been. But I was surprised. He said, but forgiveness isn't free. They must do something. They must work in order to earn it. Forgiveness must be earned. So the kids had to do hundreds of hours of community service and one-on-one meetings with the Jewish rabbi personally, in order to make things right, in order to earn forgiveness. Now, in this case, it was right that they should restore uh, what was damaged, make it right. That's not forgiveness, though. That's not forgiveness. That's not the forgiveness that Christ gives. He doesn't say to you, yeah, you did something wrong, and now you've got to earn my forgiveness. You've got to earn it. You've got to make it back. He says you couldn't earn it in a million years, even if you tried. You see, by our sin, we have vandalized God's good creation. We have made a mockery of God's law. We have sinned against Him and deserve punishment and hell for it for all eternity. But Jesus says there is forgiveness. Yes, there's a cost for this this sin of yours. It costs a lot. But I have paid the penalty in full. I've paid the penalty that you sinners owe. I did all that was necessary to make you clean. To make things right. Now just trust in me and forgiveness will be yours. So if you trust in Him, you will be forgiven and He will make you a part of His church. And He will grow you in love and in holiness and you will be a part of the church which He is making to grow for His own glory. 
As Christ is the head, He is the one who causes the growth of the body. Think about a kid who wants to grow taller. He hangs on the monkey bars to try and stretch himself out, right? He tries to come up with all kinds of tricks so that he can just grow taller. Or maybe a kid who wants to be bigger and stronger. So he could put on one of those superhero suits, Spider-Man suits with the big muscles, and he'll, look, I'm big and strong. But is that kid who hangs from the monkey bars really getting taller? From hanging on the monkey bar? Is, is the kid who puts on the superhero suit really bigger and stronger? No, that's not how it works. He might appear taller. He might appear bigger and stronger. He might even somehow fool himself into thinking it's work. But that's phony growth. It's not real. And it seems to me that this is sometimes how we think about growth in the church. I'm talking spiritually and numerically. We, we want to take shortcuts in spiritual growth. We want it to happen now. We want to be mature Christians without having to wait, without having to give any effort. Many times churches make busyness, make mistake busyness for health and growth. But a lot of times with, with all of this activity and, and things that we're trying to, to grow, we're just putting on thicker heeled shoes. Saying, look, we're taller, we're taller, we're growing. Or we put on that superhero muscle costume. Saying, look, we're healthy, we're strong, we're, we're, we're very strong, we're growing. And the whole time it's just our own activity. Not a true growth, a phony growth. Not a growth that's given by Christ. So how should we think about growth? How do we grow as a church? Well, since Christ is the one who grows this church, we need to do what Christ says to grow. We need to depend on Him and His way of doing it. How does He grow His church? He grows His church by His Word and by His Spirit. The usual way Jesus grows His church spiritually is by things that seem so ordinary. Attending church week to week to hear the Word preached, to hear Christ preached. Attending church together at its stated meeting times, to pray together, to encourage one another, to take the Lord's Supper together, to sing praises to God with one another. Christ grows His church as we speak the truth to one another in love. But Jim, that sounds so boring. That sounds so slow, as my son used to say when he didn't want to do something. That takes too long. Can't we just help Jesus out a bit and make it go a little bit more quickly? Think about how the human body grows. Is that that always an exciting thing to watch happen? It takes time, doesn't it? You you eat your your healthy meals a few times a day. You get good sleep. uh, You keep active. It takes a long time to grow. It happens through things that seem so ordinary. And this is how Christ grows His church. By spiritually ordinary practices that we do week in and week out, day after day, as we encourage one another in Christ. When you think about numerical growth, churches can do this themselves in a number of ways too, with slick presentations, with big flashy events, with rock concerts or light shows, but what's it all about? What's it all for? The question we need to ask ourselves, is Christ the source of our growth? 
Or are we the ones doing the growing ourselves? Let's not depend on ourselves for our spiritual growth or our numerical growth. Growth comes from God, not from us. Christ is the one who grows His church and He does it in these ways. So let's depend on Him and His way of doing things. This will mean doing it prayerfully. Right? Prayer is an expression of our dependence upon God. If we're not praying, we're not depending on God. Take a look at your prayer life. Take a look at our prayer life as a church. What is it like? Is it vital and strong? Is it thriving? Or is it weak to non-existent? Are we depending upon God for our spiritual growth, for our numerical growth, or are we just depending upon ourselves? This is a big need I've seen in our church. You know, Think about uh, our prayer times as a church. We pray on Sunday morning together. I'm sure you pray in your Sunday school classes. But there's not... That much time that we devote together to prayer. So I want to invite you to our Wednesday night service. At 5.30 we have a meal. At 6.30 we begin Bible study and prayer. And I'm intentionally putting into that, that Bible study a time for just prayer. Where we pray over the needs of the church. Where we pray over our missionaries. Where we pray over other churches in the area that God would, would grow them and strengthen them. And in doing that together, we will be expressing to God our dependence upon Him for everything. Christ is the source of our growth. He is the one who will grow us up into Himself as we speak the truth in love to one another. And finally, let's look at the condition of growth. Chapter 4, the end of verse 16, Paul says that when each part is working properly, Christ makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. So the condition for the growth is when each part is working properly. Now, don't get me wrong here, though. Jesus can do anything He wants. He can grow any church He wants, uh, whether it's terribly dysfunctional or working properly. But according to this passage, that's not the usual way He works. Christ makes the body grow when each part is working properly. That means two things. First of all, each part must be working. God has arranged the body as He has seen fit. He's given spiritual gifts that are to be used for the building up of His church. And if those parts aren't working, then the body isn't growing. It's missing something. If the human body has a part that isn't working, that has just ceased functioning, it can harm the body. It stalls its growth. It doesn't build itself up. And we have, when we have members of our church who aren't working and and Giving and serving, it stalls our growth. It stunts our growth. It can keep us from building ourselves up in love. Each part must work, but he also adds a clarification. Each part must work as it was intended. Each part must be working properly. And then Christ uses his church to grow. This means we'll use our spiritual gifts in love for the goal of building up the church and one another in the church. So if you don't know your spiritual gift, this could be a problem, right? How can you use a gift you don't know you have? How can you use your gift if you don't know what it is? So figure it out. Learn. Take some time in passages that list the spiritual gifts. Write these down. Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
If you don't know your spiritual gifts, spend time patiently reading over those verses, praying over those verses. Lord, help me to understand the way You've gifted me uniquely for Your church. Better yet, get together with two or three friends of yours. Read over these passages together. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Read over those together. Pray together. And then speak truth into one another's lives. You know, I really see that you have a gift for this. You know, I really see that you have a unique talent in this area. Get insight from one another. And then once you gather some idea of your spiritual gifts, start using them. Start serving others. Whether you have a certain program to plug into or not. Just start serving. Just start getting involved. If it's hospitality, one of the ones mentioned in those passages... Start having people over to your house and speaking truth in love to them and having them speak the truth in love to you. If it's encouragement, start making phone calls to others in the church. Start writing letters with Scripture verses for encouragement. If it's evangelism, come out with me around the town and invite people to church seeking to, to speak of Jesus to them. If it's mercy, get involved with our food pantry or uh, the sandwiches for Change ministry, discernment, start speaking wisdom into the lives of others. The point here is clear. As each part of the body is working properly, Christ grows the body so that it builds itself up in love. The point is, be serving and be served by others. Make yourself available to serve and then open yourself up to be served so that others can speak the truth in love to you. 26-year-old Justin Howard of Eden, North Carolina, had plenty of reasons why he couldn't serve. He had good excuses why he couldn't go. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> he had, Justin Howard of Eden had plenty of reasons he couldn't serve. Plenty of reasons why he couldn't go on a mission trip with his family. They went on one yearly. He was born, though, with cerebral palsy, a condition that combines him to a wheelchair and keeps him from communicating. He can't speak. He has to use a board with symbols and letters to do that. But for all these reasons, all these reasons why he couldn't go, why he couldn't serve, more than anything else, he wanted to be able to help others. He wanted to give of himself so that others might be blessed and hear about Jesus. So in March of last year, Justin... Went, on, went with his family, with others from his church to the Dominican Republic, on a mission trip, in a wheelchair, to serve other people. They provided wheelchairs to disabled children there in the Dominican, and Justin was able to help them learn how to maneuver it. He later said, it was fun to show everyone how they work. I was able to be an encourager because of my disability, not in spite of it. See, Justin was placed in the body of Christ by God, who arranges the body exactly how he sees fit. And Justin was playing his part. Even though parts of his body were disabled, he was working properly in the body of Christ, doing what he could to help the body grow and build itself up in love. In light of this story, we must ask ourselves, what are our excuses? What are our excuses for not going across the world to tell about Jesus, to serve others that they may know Him? What are our excuses for not serving others around our neighborhood or in the church? 
What are our excuses for not using our spiritual gifts to grow and to build others in the church? Asked if there was anything she could impart to others because of their experience. Justin's mother, Lauren, said this, Don't let what you perceive as limitations stop you from serving. God has put you right where you are and has gifted you in a unique way to serve others in this church. And when each part is working properly, do you know what we can expect? We can expect growth. Spiritual growth, numerical growth, as the church builds itself up in love. Jesus said, if anyone wants to be great in this world, he must become the servant of all. So who will decide this morning to become great through service? Who will commit themselves to speaking the truth in love? Who will commit to serving like Justin without excuse so that others might know Jesus and be built up in him? I want to close out our time a little differently than usual. When I, when I finish speaking, I'm going to ask Emily to uh, play one verse of our closing song. And during that time, if you want to commit in this way to serving or to using your spiritual gifts or to learning your spiritual gifts, I want you to turn to someone around you and ask them to pray for you. It might sound scary to you. Not really. right? Just ask them to pray for you. You might say, you know, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. Would you pray that, that I would come to an understanding of that? Or, you know, I really haven't had much time to invest in the church. Would you pray that God will give me wisdom and how I can be of service to His church? Please pray for me that I will use my gifts to serve others. Or maybe you're, you're not a Christian. You could just ask someone to pray for you. Please pray for me that I might come to know Jesus. And I might come to know the truth about who He is and about what He has done. Now, this is not a test of your spirituality. Don't, don't feel that way. I won't think less of you if you don't do this. But this is a practical way of how we can begin speaking the truth to one another in love. A practical way of how we can be praying for one another that we would grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. That we would build one another up in a way that glorifies Christ. So let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Our Father, I pray that you would take this time and use it as we hear prayer requests from one another and as we begin to pray for one another. Help us to speak the truth in love to one another. Grow us up by Christ and His power and by His Word, that we would be mature as a church and as individuals. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Emily, play through one verse. and Let's everybody stand up and you can pray silently where you are if you don't want to do this, or you can go speak to someone and just ask for their prayer during this time.